Please support Unfound's content at YouTube, Patreon, or PayPal. Sylvia June Galvin was a 30-year-old from Mount Morris, Michigan. She was the mother of four daughters who are all named after flowers. In early October 2011, Sylvia was supposed to meet her oldest daughter at a parade. Sylvia didn't show up. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. Given what we do here at Unfound, we spend a lot of time talking about dirt and digging. In fact, so much that maybe this podcast should get a shovel endorsement. That's a joke. This shouldn't be a surprise, though, because at least for the disappearances that are believed to be murders, we have solved cases that say the still missing people will most likely be found in the ground. If you're wondering what those solved cases are, here are some examples. Andrea Bowman, buried in the backyard at her home. Zoe Campos, buried in the backyard of Carlos Rodriguez's house. Ashley Simpson, buried in the distant woods of Canada. Austin Pivo, buried outside Fort Hall, Idaho. So, although lakes and rivers and woodchippers and hog farms get all the attention, the stats show that if we suspect foul play, it's best to concentrate on land familiar to the person we believe to be the killer. Well, with Sylvia Galvin, we're really not sure if she was murdered or not. However, a man in her life sure had a lot to say, Why exactly did he become the sudden gardener? And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Lyonez's website, charlieproject.org. Sylvia Galvin had a lot of problems in her life that had been going on for years. Bad taste in men, addictions, and even being separated from all but one of her children. However, under all that, Sylvia must have been a character. She named all four of her daughters after flowers, the names of which you'll hear in the interview. Sylvia tried to overcome her problems, but they seemed to get worse, with her mother getting legal custody of Sylvia's oldest daughter a situation that didn't allow the daughter and Sylvia to see each other. Yet, right before Sylvia disappeared, the daughter, Daisy, secretly managed to get a phone so she could talk to her mom. And from that, the arrangement to meet at a local parade in October 2011 was made. So, on most likely October 1st, 2011, Daisy, by herself at 12 years old, waited for her mom at the parade. She was there unbeknownst to her grandmother, Sylvia's mother, who had legal custody and who also didn't know Daisy had been in contact with Sylvia. Sylvia did not show up that day. She was never seen again. Daisy finally came clean with her grandmother about trying to meet Sylvia that day. 
However, nothing was done regarding Sylvia's disappearance until late 2012, over a year later. The man in Sylvia's life, Joel, said she left with someone and never came back. However, the same guy who had the same problems as Sylvia suddenly started a garden in his backyard after she disappeared. Shady guys, personal problems, and a long time before anyone reported Sylvia missing. This is like the worst trinity of situations for a disappearance. Contemplate which one of those topics is the worst as you also try to answer these three questions during the interview. Number one, are you open to the idea that Sylvia disappeared at least a couple weeks before she was to meet Daisy? Number two, how naive do police have to be to suspect a guy who had not any contact with Sylvia in a long time? And number three, were Joel's rantings about the backyard just delusional words, or was there something to what he was saying? Sylvia's family, at the very least, believes there was a cover-up connected to her disappearance. The guest for this episode is Sylvia's oldest daughter, Daisy Galvin Caldwell. Unfound News. The second team episode came out this previous Monday. You got to hear from Emily. She has done spectacular work since coming on board in the spring of 2017. Next, Assistant Eric. You'll hear from him this coming Monday, March 4th. Next, the newest episode of Unfound Now is out. I detail the recent disappearance of Thomas Irwin in the Mesa Verde National Park in Colorado. Please check it out on Unfound's YouTube channel. Finally, all of you should become Patreon and YouTube supporters just because of the recent Found episode. I cover the unbelievable trip from disappearance to discovery of the Romanovs, the last royal family of Russia. Seriously, sign up. You're going to love it. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the daughter of Sylvia Galvin, Daisy Galvin Caldwell. Daisy, welcome to Unfound. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, pleasure to have you. And uh, <laughs> the viewers and listeners should know that uh, Daisy lives in the Tampa area just like I do. And we discovered that on our our uh, first uh, discussion. So, um, And so we're both suffering from a little uh, poor Florida weather here on February 17th of 2024. It's raining out there. So there you go. Daisy, it's fantastic to uh, have you on this episode. Let's start here. Uh, just want to remind everybody that you were 12 years old when your mother went missing. So there could be a lot of things maybe about your mother that you didn't know. But so, um, you know, before you came along, what do you know about her upbringing? You know, her personality interests. What have you learned about your mother? You know, you become a, a young woman and learning about her. What have you learned about your mother? Um, From what I know about her, she really, she really loved music she really loved animals um she loved being a mom even if it wasn't her strong suit all the time um 
her upbringing, she lived with her mom and her dad, my my nana and my um, her first husband. Um, and I think it was stressful for her a lot of the time. I think she had a lot of things that she went through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she did the best she could with what she had and um, just ended up with the wrong friends eventually. But she was hey. she was very kind, very funny. Did you learn anything about, uh, you know, her schooling? I, I know that you, you did get to know uh, her parents, right? Your grandparents, right? You you got to know them. And, you know, were there any stories that ever passed along to you, like at, at an age where you maybe could understand them? Anything like that? Um, As far as her schooling, I just know that she didn't graduate high school. I know that she okay. came close, but she had me when she was 17. So oh. it didn't, she didn't mm-hmm. finish school. Okay. Um, but I did know her, her mom, her mom is the one who I was with, um, uh, most of my life. And I did get to know, um, her mom's second husband who I call my papa. Um, okay. but as far as stories, um, not really, it's kind of a sensitive subject for my, for my Nana. So right. she didn't really have, I, I got you. Got okay. Do you have any idea of how your mother, why your mother named you that? Any idea at all? Yeah, um, my mom actually did not want to name me Daisy at all. <laughs> oh, I see. Daughter. Well, maybe yeah. this is a sore subject then. But uh, <laughs> so, I think the listeners would be interested. Daisy, um, kind of unique name, not totally unique, but yeah, what, what happened there? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's just um, my Nana really liked the name. She wanted to name me Daisy May, and they compromised on Daisy Renee. So Renee's my middle name. Uh Um, And then the flower name just continued with my sisters. We have a Lily, a Violet, and a Jasmine. So. Well, that's spectacular. I don't think I, I think I, of course, we're going to talk about your sisters at least a little bit. I'm not sure I knew the rest of them were also named after flowers. That is spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that has to be really rare, I'm going to guess, especially having four girls and then they're all named after flowers, you know, parents, that's that's interesting. Uh, thank you for sharing that. So, and you are the yeah. oldest sister, by the way, you are your mother's oldest child. Yes, I'm the oldest and I will be 25 next month in March of 24. Okay, thank you. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> what is the uh, age dispersion uh the the range of ages i'm not you know what from 25 or 24 25 down to what your youngest sister Uh, the baby jasmine i believe that she was born in 2011 um so she will be 13 this year she might have been born in 2010 so she's 13 or 14 okay very good thank you and once again, to remind everybody, uh, you were 12 when, when she went missing. Uh, of course, you were 12. Of course, that it is an age where we start to, of course, we have memories that will last us the rest of your lives, our lives. What do you remember? Just some things about your mother, your interaction with her. Of course, we're going to find out you were kind of separated. But just when you did have some interaction with her, what do you remember? Um, I lived with her. Um, at a young age when she was with my dad, um, and things were usually pretty good when she was with my dad, but with my mom, things were either amazing or they were terrible. So I have a lot of very good memories with her and a lot of very bad memories with her, just depending on, um, what she was using at the time. Um, 
but she she would take us places like she would take us to the movies she'd take us to the beach to the parks um she always wanted to hang out with us do hair and makeup you know when things were good she just loved hanging out with us especially um me like being kind of closer in age with her she really felt like an older sister and then my grandma kind of felt more like a mom um so we were we were pretty close um but yeah <laughs> all right and this is in the mount morris area of michigan we know that's the accepted place where she disappeared is this in the mount morris michigan area or somewhere else um this is primarily in flushing which they're all neighboring towns but primarily in flushing um and then we moved around a lot so there were a lot of houses in flint that we lived in um i never lived in mount morris but they're all very very close no very close towns okay yeah. very good let's move on to this uh how, what have you learned about her becoming an addict and uh was this uh something that you understood you know maybe as an eight-year-old nine-year-old ten-year-old is this something you understood you not really appreciate it or recognize what it was till later what have you learned about how she became an addict i mean do, do you know and it, like you like you've already said maybe this has been a tough subject with your grandmother but what can you say about that um i i know that she has been at least um smoking like marijuana and drinking from a very young age i'm not exactly sure when she got into the harder drugs mm -hmm. um but i know as a kid she she smoked a lot she would drink a lot um and i know at least by the time i was six or seven she was involved in like at least pills i i never knew what they were because i was so young but um i have like memories of us getting pulled over and she would like grab her little baggie of pills and be like put these in your shoes just in case you know in case they get me out of the car or whatever oh. don't let them take your shoes off and yeah um yeah so i feel like she she kind of treated me as more of like a, a mini friend instead of a daughter okay yeah and what uh does she have any uh your your mother have any brothers and sisters yeah so she does um she does have one brother his name is steve and he's my uncle um he was around a lot as well because nana being his mom you know he was living at home with his mom he's only uh 14 years older than me so he was oh. again like an older brother yeah um yeah very close with him still yeah okay uh, very close so you you uh have contact with him here in 2024 then yes yeah okay great great so there were the two of them your mother sylvia and her brother the two of them yeah okay and so she had this addiction issue uh she has you very young she doesn't graduate um uh from high school of course we've already talked about her uh your her other daughters who you've already named and but at least some of them maybe the rest of them uh have different fathers or do any of the do are any of the other ones have the same father that you do or not or or what is that um we technically all four have different fathers um but my sister lily who is the youngest after me so the next daughter yeah. um her biological father is the one he's the man that my mom married in 2001 um so he met me when i was eight months old and he just raised me as his own from the day he met me and i i didn't even know he wasn't my biological father until i was 17. 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I looked a lot like him and his family, so it was it was very wow. unexpected. <laughs> that's that's weird how that works sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. That's yeah. Weird. Okay. All right. So you have your uh, your three sisters, different biological uh, fathers. And when you were growing up, did you have a lot of interaction with them? Of course, as you stated, it's really your grandmother who raised you. And we'll get into the separation here in a second. But did you know your other sisters or were they distant or, or what? Yeah. So my my baby sister, Lily, the one that I share my dad with, um, he or she, sorry, um, she and I are closest in age, like maybe two and a half years apart. Um, and we were always together. We went everywhere. I wasn't allowed to go to cousins' houses or anything without bringing her. Um, we had a really hard time getting along because I took on a very parental role for her. And so I was kind of bossy, you know, wanting to do the right thing for her. And she's, she just wanted a sister and I was trying to be a mom, but Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're close. Uh, we're just not like friendly all the time. <laughs> okay. And all then, right. Thank um, you for being honest with that. Yeah, of okay. course. I, okay. I love her to pieces. So if she all hears right. us, you know, I love you, but <laughs> you know, it can be. I have two brothers and a sister too. Uh, so I know, I know what you're saying there. Yeah. I think everybody does. Sure. Yeah. And what about the other, uh, two younger sisters? Uh, so the one after Lily is Violet. Um, Violet, I was very close with. I just adored her. She was my best friend. Um, we had her for four years until one day, um, her dad just picked her up for school and never brought her back. Um, which he he could do because he had custody, even though she was living with us. And, um, I'm, I'm distant with her. I've, I've tried to speak with her and, you know, tell her about, our side of the family because there were a lot of things said and made up about why she was taken away from us um and i believe that she believes that those things those things happened since she was so young and doesn't remember um but she just doesn't really have any interest in hearing any of that um but she's on a friendly level but just not interested in getting to know us anymore Okay. And I think you told me in a private conversation, it's maybe like 16, 17 years old, something like that. No. Yeah. Yeah. So she was born in December of 2008. So she will okay. be 16 this year. Wow. Okay. And what, what, how old was she or maybe what year was it when her father picked her up and never brought her back? What year would that roughly have been? She was four. So 12 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can't believe and then the uh, then the youngest sister, which uh, we're going to get into, it's going to be very interesting later for everybody to find out who uh, who is raising her now. But uh, and uh, you, you had contact with her. Of course, she was very young, like you said. Of course, you were twelve, and this is the youngest sister. Very very young when your mother went missing. But have you built a relationship up with her since you know she's become a little girl now? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we didn't actually get to meet her until she was almost four years old. Um, and when we met her, of course, you always want to be there for them. That's your sister, but she was in a a pretty bad place. Like she was still not potty trained and she didn't have any like developmental 
issues that would have caused that. It was just, you know, she just wasn't potty trained, but she could cook for some reason. <laughs> like she just was very independent, but uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Um, mm-hmm. So we we stepped in, um, we got her potty trained, taught her how to tie, tie her shoes, taught her how to read, all this good stuff, because she was also still not in school. Um, uh-huh. So we got her in school. Um, we would see her almost every weekend. Um, we invited her and her father on uh, vacations with us um, and got really, really close to them. Mm. Um, I, I still have a little bit of contact with her. Um, I just have a lot of guilt because she has, you know, her whole new family and everything. And yeah. I feel like I remind her of a lot of painful things that happened to her. So, right. yeah. yeah, I got that. Right. We have to remember it. She's like, what? Uh, 13 now or something like that 12 yeah yeah I, I believe she'll be 14 this year 14. i think she was born in 2010 okay very good let's move on to this uh just in general who is joel you're gonna we're gonna talk about him a lot but just in gen, just general uh how did uh, your mother know him how did they run into each other who is he um I am not exactly sure how they met. I just know that they have known each other for a long time because um, when I first met him, he had told me that he might possibly be my biological father. So he knew my mom even before I was born. Um, I don't think he is. There's been a lot of men that have come forward to be, you know, trying to say they are, but (laughs) Joel um, is my mom's. Um, Mm -hmm. just longtime friend ended up getting together, um, around 2009, 2008. Um, and yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, Would you say that he had the same kind of issues that your, your mother did with addiction and and things like that? Same kind of issues or not? Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. he, he definitely was, um, using, I'm not sure how long he was using, but I know he was using while he was with my mom and it was um, pretty heavy stuff. So like heroin and pills. And okay. How did you, of course, you would have been, you know, maybe 10 years old or something, nine, 10. How did you get along with him personally? How did he treat you? Um, he was always very kind to us. Um, we liked him a lot. Like I said, we invited him on vacations and everything. Um we were mostly interested in just having Jasmine around, but you know, he, he wasn't working and he didn't have a lot of money and we wanted him to be able to experience those things with his daughter as well. Um, so we would help out with food, we'd buy her clothes. Um, but yeah, we liked him. We liked him a lot. He'd come over and grill. Like we got along very well. Okay. Um, is Joel the father of any of your sisters? Uh, just Jasmine. Yeah. Just Jasmine. Okay. Very yeah. good. Let's move on to this. And we're going to, of course, Joel's going to make it be a large part of the conversation later. Let's just talk about you and your mother. You at the point of her disappearance, you were being cared for. You were raised by your grandmother, correct? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. essentially, like you said, like her second husband. And how long had that been going on? Was this actually something that was like, paperwork wise or was this just something that was decided within the family that your grandmother was going to do this and your mother just kind of said you know i can't do this here uh take daisy what was the actual setup and how long had that been going on well 
Um, after my mom and dad got divorced and my mom was kind of out in the world on her own, she was, she would bounce between boyfriends. So she was always with a different guy, always living with him. And she would bring me with her until she couldn't deal with it anymore. And then she would bring me back to Nana's house and just leave me there. So it was a long time of just back and forth until my Nana, um, finally, heard about some things that had happened while I was with my mom and my Nana petitioned for permanent guardianship of me. Yeah. So that was when I was nine years old. Okay. And how how do you think your mother, mother supportive of that? Did she fight that? Or was that she maybe just thought that was in your best interest? What, What do you remember? Um, my, my mom definitely, definitely fought it. Um, she wanted at least like partial custody or guardianship of me. Yeah. Um, but the, the judge wasn't having it. It was kind of a all or nothing deal. Okay. So, okay. So after that yeah. happened, how often were you interacting, uh, with your mother? How often would you see her up until the time of her disappearance over the next couple of years? Um, that court date was actually the last time that I saw her in person. Um, so she was sitting in the row behind us while we were waiting for our case to be called and I was holding her hand. I just had a feeling I wouldn't see her after that. Mm-hmm. And when it got heated, um, they sent me and my sister Lily out into the little waiting area outside of the courtroom. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I remember is my mom like busting through the doors, coming and trying to grab us and, you know, run out of the building saying that, you know, she got you, she got you, he got Violet, you know, talking about Violet's father and just having a full on breakdown. And that was the last time I saw her. And when was that again? Please uh, tell us like the year, month and year that was. I believe that was January or February of 2009. So I was about to turn 10. Wow. So yep. for the last two years and 10 months, you were never in the same room as your mother. Never, never, uh, saw, never saw your mother again. Yeah. After that, that was the last time I saw her. Okay. But did you talk to her? Did you talk to her on the phone? Was you, were you allowed contact like that? I did. Um, so I, I didn't for a long time, not until the summer of 2011. Um, because she would call our house constantly and leave voicemails because we had a, a home phone still. And I wasn't usually allowed to listen to the voicemails, but I had accidentally heard one in particular and it just like it just broke my heart and I, I yeah. wanted to talk to her again. So I was like twelve years old and I got some money together and went and bought a prepaid phone so I could contact her. Um, I looked to Joel's secretly. Yes. Um, yes, it was secretly because we had a no contact with mother order put in place. Okay. Um, so I looked up Joel's phone number in the phone book. Um, turns out it was a phone number that they shared and, um, just started calling her, texting her and we had contact. Uh, we made plans to go to. What was that like? I have to ask, what was that like the first time she picked up the phone and she heard your voice? Like, Daisy, uh, you're calling me? What do you remember that call? You know, do you have a recollection of that? 
Yeah, yeah. So she actually, um, I had my best friend Jace with me there, and I was like scared to talk. I heard her voice, and I was just like, I didn't know if she wanted to talk to me or if she, I don't know. I was just scared, so I didn't say anything at first, and. So she, I, I don't remember exactly what she said, but she insinuated that she was going to end the call. And I was like, no, wait, like, it's me. It's Daisy. And she was like, who is this? Like, who's messing with me? Like, you're not Daisy. Oh. Like, oh. this sounds like an adult woman. And, you know, thinking that somebody was messing with her. And I was like, no, uh-huh. it's me. Like, I got a, I got a phone and Nana doesn't know. And I just, I heard your voicemail and I wanted to talk to you and maybe see you. And. Um, she was like, sounded like a teenage girl at like a Ah. concert. She was so excited and so happy. She started crying and it was really nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that, that's a story, even though I know you weren't supposed to be doing that, but (laughs) I'm sure your mother, uh, just was so filled with joy and everything to hear your voice. And, uh, were you able to, of course, we know. Of course, that's why we're talking because she disappeared. How how long were you able to keep that going? Was this going up until the point that she went missing, or did you get found out with this phone, or 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 what? Did that finally? Did you the this what you were doing? Did you finally get caught or not? Uh, I did not get caught. Um, my nana and my papa never knew. Um, the only person that knew was my friend Jace, and um. We we talked through the summer, so I probably I might have first contacted her in like late spring, early summer. Okay. And once I felt safe enough to meet her, um, we made arrangements to meet in October for the homecoming parade. Um, but it was mostly arranged over calls and texts. Uh, but the calls stopped in, I would say, like early September maybe okay. late August. And then from there, she would only text me. And then she just never, never showed up. Okay, let's go through that a little bit, a little bit of the yeah, because this is very important. Um, was it your idea or her idea to meet at this parade? Um, the way you were it was her idea to meet, uh, but it was my idea to meet at the parade because, okay. you know, there would be a lot of people and Okay. All right. So this, and this is a parade that was happening in October. Yes. All right. And these, these arrangements uh, got put together at the beginning of September. So like yes. a month, roughly, we'll just do it a roughly a month beforehand. Yeah. Okay. And, but at some point shortly after that, here you're talking throughout the summer, you're secretly calling her, or maybe she's secretly calling you being that she knows your number now and everything. And then, but it wasn't long after you made these arrangements, then you never heard her voice again. Right. All right. And it was the only communication you had was through texting. Right. Just though I just want to make sure we understand this is very important to understand this. And when was the last time you texted with her before you were supposed to uh, meet her at this parade? It was like a week before, a day before? Do you even remember? Um, it's, it's hard to remember. I, um, I know that I had at least texted her on the day of, um, and, but I, I remember being suspicious that she wasn't going to show up. Um, and I like vaguely remember that she had stopped replying to my texts at some point. I just don't know 
exactly when that was, but it was as the date got closer for us to meet. All right. So as it got closer and closer to this day of this parade, the more sporadic those those communic the communication with her happened occurred. Yeah, yeah. So they did gradually like they were spreading out, you know, she'd take a day and then three days and then a week. And then as the date got closer, she just stopped answering. Okay. And on yeah. this day, you went down there by yourself and she just didn't show up? Yeah. I mean, I, I had my friend with me and um, we had a meeting spot and she just never showed up. I can't imagine that. I'm sorry to hear that, Daisy. Yeah. And I, I, I had no way to suspect that something bad had happened because right. it was very like her to, you know, not follow through on things. So I was angry with her for a very long time after that. How long after this meetup occurred, uh, did your grandmother uh, eventually find out that you had been communicating with your mother all that time? When, when Was it like that day or, or, or what was it? It was after we realized that she was missing and we were trying to come up with when the last time somebody had heard from her or met her in person. Um, and I said that I had heard her voice, you know, in September, but um, somebody, I, I think one of her friends ended up saying that they saw her in early October. So that's why we went with the October 2011. But I did tell I, my Nana she she didn't really she I think she just assumed something like that would have happened at some point. <laughs> oh, you mean you caught you f find, figuring out a way to contact your mother? Yeah, yeah. So she, she wasn't, wasn't really like really... like totally totally fab flabbergasted. Right, right. <laughs> All right. All right. She must know her granddaughter pretty well then. Okay. Yeah, I think... All right. Well, I think uh, nobody's. Of course, everybody can appreciate that. You know, you want to. <laughs> You went out of your way, and I, it's very industrious as a twelve-year-old to scrape up enough dollars to get a phone. Uh, you, you know, you're very—you must be very industrious in your life. Uh, there, Daisy, <laughs> uh, at twelve years old, and now you're into your twenties. Congratulations on that. So she doesn't show up. I'm sure you're brokenhearted. I, I can't even imagine it. Um, and so at that time, though, like you said, she was kind of flaky anyway. So maybe mm -hmm. just automatically doesn't really raise any red flags or anything, but eventually it did. Yeah. 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 How long, and, we... and how long it took a while though, because um, I, I realized that you didn't, there was no missing persons report filed until like late 2012. So over a year later, but maybe you can explain what went on between October of 2011 and all, all that next year. Why was there a delay? What was going on? What kind of conversations did you have with your grandmother? You know, your mother's now not calling anymore. What what went on during that next year? Um, no, we we never really went over there to try to find her. Um, I can't remember if we knew exactly where she was staying until after we realized she was missing. Um, but the conversations about her between those time frames would be like. At first, it was kind of normal because she would sometimes call every day for two weeks straight and leave voicemails, or she would disappear for three months or five months or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but usually she wasn't gone, or at least there wasn't six months between her phone calls. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, so we knew that once it got to a year that something was wrong, um, something was happening where she wasn't able to contact us. Um, so we started asking um, her friends. We asked uh, Violet's dad because this is the time frame where we still had Violet. Um, and as soon as we started asking questions is when Adam pulled, uh, Adam is Violet's dad, pulled her from our house um, and just stopped letting us see her. Um, so that's when we went and filed the missing persons report because nobody had seen her. Okay. All right. And uh, maybe I should ask you this, being that she had a brother, brother have any interactions with uh, your mother as adults? or not, uh, was he involved in any of what we're talking about at all? Um, yeah, so he, he was involved with her as long as we were, um, because he either lived with Nana or he was stopping by frequently. Um, but he kind of, when, when she lost contact with us, Mm. um, like legally when, when Nana got guardianship of us, he didn't want to um jeopardize his connection with us and his you know ability to be with us um so he kind of saw it as like a her or them situation and he he chose us okay so So. he kind of even though legally he was not obligated to stay away from her uh he just chose to do that because of maybe looking at you know what's best for me and you know you know it's it's kind of it's i'm sure it was very difficult for him to try have to do that but i think we understand maybe why he did that all right so i guess what we're saying is over that next year not only was she not calling but you weren't even hearing about your grandmother wasn't hearing about your your uncle your her brother sylvie's brother weren't hearing about anybody running into her anywhere on the streets uh, or anything like that. Of course, she could have been in jail, but maybe you would have found out about that. Just nobody's since like that September time, nothing. Right. Yeah. And and we had we had asked like my my aunt Jackie, who she was close with, um, her friends that she's had since she was a teenager um, that she usually will go stay with between boyfriends and they hadn't heard from her. Um, so we had people that she would consistently have in her life um, that hadn't seen her in a long time. But again, nobody really thought anything of it um, because she was kind of flaky that way anyway. And I think the people that would think something of it, that would be concerned that were in that, you know, that circle of her life. um, Mm -hmm. The reason that they didn't say anything is because they know what happens, but that's just my opinion. Right. <laughs> that's opinion, no facts. But we we understand that you have a suspicion that maybe you know a lot of people weren't acting that concerned, and there are a lot of different reasons why people might not be concerned. There could be a concern because they really just don't care, or they're yeah. not concerned because they know exactly what happened. So there's no concern in their their minds because they know they they already know all the facts and everything of it. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. All right. We understand that. I don't have okay. any reason to think that, but okay. I think that. <laughs> okay. I gotcha. Uh, regarding Joel, she was, though, living with Joel at this time. Uh, yes, when she went missing and when we were talking about meeting up, um, she okay. was living with Joel and um, Jasmine was 
I think turning one because this was 2011. Yeah. So Jasmine was about a year old and I had talked to Joel on the phone because um, my mom just adored him. She was so excited for me to, you know, meet her, her new boyfriend, her, you know, her new baby's dad. And um, she was really proud to have me talk to him. So, okay. um, yeah. But when they, them, with them living together, though, at the time, seemingly at that, let's just talk about September 2011, the two of them living mm -hmm. together, was anybody else living with them? I don't think anybody was living with them, but they kind of had um, this house where people would come and go a lot. Um, so they had a lot of friends, a lot of um, the lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And uh, over that next year, being that you weren't hearing from her, did you or anybody try to get in contact with him at all? Did you ever run into him anywhere? Did his name pop up, you know, at any point over that next year until the report got filed? Um, at, even after the report got filed, we didn't try to contact him. Um, we knew that Jasmine had a lot of family around her. So like Joel's family. Um, and we just had no idea what kind of person he was. We had never met him before. I had only talked to him on the phone, but um, my right. Nana was afraid to try to contact him because he was the man my mom was with when she went missing. So it took right. us a long time. Um, I can't remember how we found out, but we found out that Jasmine was still not in school yet. And at that point is when we we just showed up at his house and we were like, why is she not in school? <laughs> so so Jasmine, it, I just need to make sure we understand this. In September of 2011, it, in this under the roof of the people who are supposed to be there, we realized that with that lifestyle, people come over and they do things together, drugs and mm -hmm. things. And leave. We, we understand it. But people were actually that's their address. If they're getting any mail, that's where it's going. It was Sylvia, Joel and Jasmine. Jasmine was also there or not? Yes, Jasmine was Jasmine there. Was, okay, Jasmine was there, of course, in a very rough situation. Uh, yes. But I guess what we're saying is you lost contact with your mother. You, you had the secret phone. Joe at no time did ever call your grandmother and say, you know what? I don't know. Uh, Sylvia was here one day and she's gone. Did he ever do anything over like that over the next year and so many months? Um, he never contacted us. Um, that was just when we had asked about, you know, where she was, um, that was just what he said that she had come in in a panic, packed her stuff and left with a guy in a car. And then his story would change a whole bunch of times, but he okay. actually never brought my mom up to us. Um, so we had met him and Jasmine, I think three or four times before my Nana finally asked like where my mom is. Okay. All right. When, uh, once again, I realize you're 12 years old. You're not really being the leader in this. Your grandmother uh, is doing this. We understand that. Uh, yeah. But when would, do you think was the first time your grandmother and Joel ever actually had a conversation about your mother being missing? When do you think that was? Can you even guess? Um... The reason I'm asking, if you're wondering, I know this is a tough question. We just need to understand how did Joel react to this? Of course, we realize we can hear, you know, about stories changing and everything. But, you know, the main yeah. thing is, obviously, she's somewhere. She was living with him. 
then she's not living with him. And when did it, he really just continued to do whatever he was doing with his life. And, and really that was it, you know, until this report yeah. got filed. Is I that think it, story? yeah, I think it would have been sometime in either like late 2014 um, or like very early 2015, but most likely 2014. Um, but I do know that when my Nana finally did ask him about her, um, he just kind of seemed like, like, oh, I, I don't know. Just like he, he didn't really care. He didn't not care. I don't know. It was just kind of very, very neutral. Like, oh yeah, she just showed up and left and okay. it's just been us. Like kind of made it sound like, like he was the victim. Like he was left alone with Jasmine and see, Yeah. Okay. Uh, how was he doing, being that Sylvia wasn't around, how was he doing as a single father with Jasmine? Um, not very well. Okay. <laughs> Again, like she, okay. she wasn't potty trained. She was very skinny. He didn't have a lot of money. Um, and then the money he did have, very minimal amounts of it would go to Jasmine. And it was primarily on his parents and his brother and his brother's family. Um, to provide for Jasmine. Um, okay. And then once we were in the picture, we were also providing for Jasmine, but we were always scared to send her with anything too nice because he would sell things. Right. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. He blames you for that. No, we get it. Yeah. Yeah. As you probably know, we talk a lot about addiction and people going in and out of people's lives and everything quite, we've done that quite often after seven and a half years. And it's very difficult as you're pointing out with your mother, you know, people who have that lifestyle that, you know, they will go missing for like two months or something. Boom. They'll just pop up again. No explanation. You know, they'll just act like nothing. They'll just show up as if those two months never happened. Yeah. So, yeah we get, yeah, we understand. It. Okay. Thank you. So the <laughs> report finally does, you know, something that was like, I guess the, the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, finally there's just too much that can't be ignored and your grandmother goes and files a missing persons report. Yes. Yeah. And what police department, uh, was the one, uh, that is responsible, was responsible and who is responsible now for your mother's case? I believe it's the Flint, the Flint Township Police Department. Flint Township. I am um, honestly not 100% sure because we have had very little help from the police and detectives managing the case. So I've interacted with them very minimally. Yeah, oh, we hear that a lot too. Okay. Yeah. She goes and files this report, says, uh, what did she say? Our, my daughter, uh, we haven't heard from her in from over a year. Yes, she does not have custody of her of her daughter Daisy, but we're just concerned, and the guy in her life is kind of not being very uh, straightforward. Is that kind of what your grandmother said? Maybe, and I'm guessing, mean that your mother was maybe police already maybe knew a little about a bit about your mother anyway, maybe or yeah. So she definitely had a record, um, okay. but. When when my Nana first went in, they were kind of like, they they didn't want to file it because there was a no contact order in place for her and us. So he was like, if you haven't heard from her in over a year, then that just means she's following the law, you know? 
Um, okay. So, <laughs> so we had to like really fight them to get the missing persons thing filed. Yeah. Um, so that's, I don't really remember a whole lot about that process, but I do remember that, that my Nana was very upset with them for that. Yeah. Very frustrating. Okay. Do you happen to know any paperwork or anything that we can really be assured of that happened that they did actually go and talk to Joel and, you know, did they even do that? Do you even know any ideas? The only, the only thing I know that he did is that he has at least called Joel, okay. um, called a few of my mom's friends. And I know that he called my dad. Mm -hmm. That is the only thing that I know for sure that they've done. Right. And we're going to talk about your police, the police interaction with your father a little later, which is a little bit bizarre, but that's where we have to talk about it. All right. So they talked to Joel. Uh, we've already heard he uh, didn't have a lot to say. He has a story and we're going to get into that. But were you ever around Joel after your mother's disappearance? And, and maybe we're foreshadowing yeah. this. Joel is not with us anymore. But before right. he deceit, were you uh, died, were you ever around him? Anything like that? Yeah. So my sister and I would go to his house for sleepovers with Jasmine. Um, Jasmine would come for sleepovers at our house. And while he was dropping her off, um, he would stay for dinner. Like I said, they'd, they'd grill. We'd have bonfires. Um, him and Jasmine were welcome at our home during holidays so they joined us for christmas one year um we, we spent a lot of time with them even though so, once again make sure the listeners understand this even though there was probably at least your grandmother's mind an idea i think this guy might have done something to my daughter but still he was invited over to family functions and everything else yeah at, at that point we were pretty convinced that there was another party involved in oh, my mom's okay. disappearance oh, oh okay we okay. we had suspicions about Joel, but um, we weren't exactly sure, and we just really wanted Jasmine in our lives, so we kind of just okay. kept the peace. Okay, I got you. All right, but yeah. once again, well, this is just, we're not saying Joel did anything, but I think we just right. have to understand, we've already established she's living with him, she goes missing, and now he's coming over to your, your place, your grandmother's place, and you're all having a cookout, everything. I just wanted to make sure that everybody understood that's that really was happening back at that time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did you and he, of course, you're 12 year old, you're 13 year old, maybe even a 14 year old before he, he uh, passes away. But did mm -hmm. you and he ever talk about this, this meeting that you were, this meeting or, this get together you were supposed to have with your mother. Do you ever talk about the phone situation, you calling her secretly? Did you ever have any of those conversations before he died? I don't think so. Um, the only, I think he wasn't sure if Nana knew. So he was kind of, I think he was trying not to get me in trouble or maybe he just didn't remember, but he never, he never brought it up and I never brought it up. Um, just. Okay. I had like a weird, I've always had like a weird uncomfortableness around men and he was a very large man. So as like ah. a young teenager, I didn't want to question him or do anything, you know, yeah. I kind of left all that to Nana. So okay. <laughs> I never I got gotcha. you. But to be clear, it, it never came up. He never said something to you like, you know, I know your mother was supposed to meet you that day. 
and she didn't mm. show up. I really, uh, I'm really brokenhearted or I'm really sorry about that. Did that ever come out of his mouth ever? No, not to me. Okay. All right. Moving on. Let's talk about Joel's garden. Uh, it's going to, I think, get a lot of people's attention, but it's factual. You know, it may see a little, I don't know, sensational, but it's not because it's factual. Um, what can you say about th this garden that was in the backyard of where Sylvia and Joel were living? Um, when did he start growing it? And what did he have to say about it? Um, Joel was very proud of his garden. He would grow flowers and vegetables and fruits, and he had put it in, um, in the spring of 2012, if I remember correctly. Um, and it was one of the first things that he showed us when, when we showed up at his house, he kind of gave us a tour of his house and then took us to his backyard. Um, he called it like his second child. Um, he was very proud of it. Okay. So a guy yeah. with not with with not a lot of money is going out and buying seeds and everything and watering it and making sure all the plants get enough sunlight and growing stuff in the backyard. Yep. Okay. In square feet, how big would you say this garden was? Um, was it as big? Uh, I don't know. Is it as big as like uh, like half of a tennis court? or the size of a pickleball court, or how big would you say it was? Um, I would say the, the larger portion of the garden was the entire length of the back of his house, so maybe 25 feet, and then it stuck out by about 10, 15 feet, and it was kind of like a half circle, so it wasn't a square, you know, 25 by 15, but it was half circled, 25 foot diameter probably. Okay. That's pretty big. Yeah. And then okay. there was another section. <clears throat> there was another section in the lower part of his yard. Um, that's kind of in between him and the neighbor's property. And that section is like three feet by eight feet. Okay. So not small. That takes some work. And so he, he's uh, guarding this, but we want to be clear. His garden did not start until after your mother went missing. Right. Right. He started it some months, like you said, the spring of the next year. So let's just say six, seven months after she went missing. Okay. Right. Right. Uh, let's now. All right. So we're going to come back to that. Uh, the Where did the buried dog story, you know, explain where this story, when did it pop up? And was this a neighbor or did somebody see him digging in the backyard? What was the whole story about the buried dog? So my ex-boyfriend, Nick, and I, we went over to um, Joel's house after he had passed away. And um, we knew the house was empty. And we were walking around the backyard looking for anything after we realized that the detectives weren't going back there to look for anything. Okay. Um, so we weren't, you know, digging or doing anything like that. We were just walking around, taking a look and the neighbors came outside and um, they had just moved into the house shortly before uh, Joel had passed away. So the house was vac vacant the entire time that we knew him, except for, you know, the months before he passed. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
they approached us and told us that, um, or they, they asked if we knew Joel, like what we were doing there. Do we know Joel? And I said, yes, I'm, you know, I'm his daughter's oldest sister. Um, and she kind of was like, she, she seemed like she wanted to say something, but didn't know what to say. So she was asking if I was looking for the dog and I said, oh, I'm not aware of a dog. And she said, yeah. So my only interaction I've had with Joel is that on the day that we moved in, he came over and was banging on the door. I opened the door thinking, you know, what's going on? Is he going to introduce himself? And the only thing he said to us was, I buried a dog in this spot. Do not dig it up. So then I was like, okay, that's interesting. You know, we were kind of looking for something like that. And she was like, does it involve your, his girlfriend being missing? And I said, yes, his girlfriend was my mom. And they told us their opinions on what he actually buried there. And we took okay. that to the detective and nothing was done. So, okay. Uh, did you ever know Joel and your mother to have a dog? Uh, no. All right. For example, you already stated since you got to see him afterwards, he'd come over he might might bring a dog with him. Did he ever say that he had had a dog of any type at any time? No. He the only thing that was evident that he had a dog was he had beware of dog signs around ah. his house. But okay. that that's it. That's the only evidence I've ever seen of a dog. All right. So to your knowledge, nobody's ever he did not have a dog, and nobody's ever proven to you ever shown you any facts at any time that he ever had a dog, even to bury if it did die. Right, right, right. No, no, no signs. So he's telling the neighbors he, there's a buried dog back there, but you can't ever remember a time or ever hearing anything about a dog, him having a dog. All right. So this is right. the, this is the uh, neighbor talking. Any idea how the neighbor knew uh, that Joel's girlfriend had gone missing? Did he talk? Um, did he talk about it or what? I. I'm not exactly sure. I think it was um, Joel's wife who or girlfriend. I don't, I'm not sure if they ever actually got married. They weren't together for very long at all. But I think that she had said something to the neighbors like after they moved in and they were in the process of separating. Okay. Um, but I'm not sure. Okay. The, the girlfriend, um, she had suspected Joel. Um, but she had suspected him because he had had um, new cement done in his basement. Um, but the detective says that he did go look at the cement and that it's too old to be relevant to my mom disappearing. Okay. All right. So maybe that's how they found out. But that, that does take us to this. Joel did talk about your mother. And yes. he had uh, a lot of things to say. Of course, we just talked the dog, but uh, let's go first here because it's next in the outline. The Mexico story. When did this story pop up? This story would pop up anytime he, and I don't want to say anytime because he was always using, but if you, I would say if he was using and thinking about her. If he felt any type of way about her and he was using, he would call my mom's friends, our family members, and say, Sylvia just called me. She's in Mexico. She robbed a bank. She's living her best life. She's happy. 
don't worry about her. And that was his story when he was high. And then his story when he was mostly sober enough to have a conversation Mm -hmm. um, would involve like her leaving in a car with a man or men in some way, shape or form. And robbing a bank in Mexico. And that's where she was. Yeah. And that's that the frequency of those like Mexico calls um, just gradually increased and increased until he eventually overdosed and passed away. Would you say, in your opinion, the way you remember it, would you say that this all this talk about your mother in Mexico increased after the police report, the missing persons report got filed? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. They, they started after that. Okay. All right. So we have to remember that up until the point that he overdosed. Uh, we're going to get to his death here in a second. Did Joel ever tell anybody, maybe the neighbors are elsewhere, that actually in all these stories he's telling about a dog, about Mexico, did he ever say that Sylvia, your mother, his girlfriend, was actually under this garden that we've ever talked about, that we just talked about? Did he ever say that? Yeah, um, he did. So he had a friend um, who would come over, check in on him, spend time with him, worried about him, longtime friend, who reached out to us and let us know that whenever she would go over there, she would talk about Sylvia being in the backyard. And she eventually was no longer comfortable going to see him. So she... Cut off contact shortly before he passed away, but um, when she reached out, she said that it was just all he could talk about anytime she saw him. Talk about how Sylvia was buried in the backyard under his garden. Right. And she she did try to go to the detectives with this, um, and they would, you know, dismiss her, not hear it out. She said that she felt that they were very rude with her. Um, so that is why she reached out to the missing person's Facebook page instead of, um, you know, the detective or Crime Stoppers, um, because she wanted to make sure that we knew that this was said. Right. Okay. And is this a woman, uh, you know, we're not going to get in her name so we can talk about her in, in very blunt terms. Um, is this like a woman who had the same kind of problems that your your mother did, that Joel did, maybe with drugs and things, do you think that she is believable or, or how, how would you assess it? I am honestly not sure. I don't really know her. Um, my mom had a lot of people involved with her that we just never met. And then since she's one of Joel's, you know, lifetime friends where okay. I'm not sure. I If I had to assume... Yeah, we're not I saying would, whether, we, you know, if it's true or not. I'm just saying, okay. you know, her given her character and everything, uh, is she, would she be a believable person or not? Or In the messages, she seemed very kind, very stable, very mm-hmm. intelligent. Um, okay. I just, I feel like she Joel was just somebody she cared about, and she was yeah. extending herself to take care of him until it got to be too much for her. Very well could be. We're not saying Sylvia is anywhere. All we're saying is she said that Joel was saying these things. 
Yes. You believe that he was actually saying these things. Can she be believed? You know, we're trying to mean that none of us were there. I'm trying to I, I right. determine the veracity of all of this. We're not saying this. <laughs> Even if Joel's talking about Sylvia being back there, doesn't mean she's there. I'm just right. trying to determine if he was actually saying this or not, being that none of us were there. Okay. Gotcha. Um, let's move on to this now. Of course, we've already talked about how Joel is deceased. Uh, what year does, did this happen? Do you know? I I don't remember exactly the year when he passed away. Um, it's all kind of a blur because then we also had a very big like court thing trying to get custody of Jasmine. Um, I would say at that point she was probably six or so maybe 2016, 2017. Okay. okay. All right. And you just found out like somebody called you up and says, you know, Joel's dead or, or something like that. Of course, by this time you're going to be 16 about, right? About. Yeah, I was, I believe I was 17, 17. when this happened. Because okay. I was very close to turning 18 and I was almost going to try to get guardianship of Jasmine if my Nana wouldn't. Wow. So, um, wow. But I, I believe when we found out that he had passed away, we had been trying to contact him and right. we weren't hearing from him. So we showed up at his house and there was nobody there. So we were very afraid that he, you know, took off with Jasmine. Yeah. Um, and then we started hearing through um, the grapevine, I guess, that <coughs> Jasmine was in um, the foster system and that Joel had passed away. Um, thankfully, Joel's uh, brother and his wife were already registered as foster parents. I'm not sure if they had fostered children before or if they were kind of anticipating something like this might happen and just were ready. Um but they ended up being her foster parents until they could adopt her. And wow. we had a rough start with them, but very thankful for them now. Right, right. And then, yeah. so they've raised uh, Jasmine ever since. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we have this very strange situation. Of course, we get in a lot of different family dynamics, a lot of complex family stuff on Unfound is very common. I don't want yes. you to feel like, <laughs> like you're singled out here, Daisy. A lot of guests have come on here and told us these very intricate stories about families and children. And we got it. Uh, but yeah. it's very interesting that of course, Joel might've done something to Sylvia. We're not saying he did, but he was a guy in her life. We have to talk about him. Like we have, we're not going after his character very well. Could be, he didn't, did nothing, but right. these, are, these are facts. And we're just talking about these things factually. But what's interesting to me, he's might've done something to Sylvia or, but then it's his own brother who is raising Jasmine and doing such a fantastic job of it. It's just so crazy. It's yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, obviously Joel's brother uh, was a different type of person than Joel was, I guess. Yeah, they are. They're wonderful people. They, right. they don't get involved in any like drugs or alcohol or anything. Um, they have, Oh, too many kids. I don't know how many exactly, but ah. six or seven kids of their own. And then Jasmine on top of that. And they just, they do everything for their kids. They're, they're great people. Okay. 
But there are some other guys to talk about. So we've talked about Joel. Obviously, something that needs to be considered. Not saying he's necessarily a murderer or, or anything, but we know with people, this lifestyle very could be something along the lines that there was a she overdosed. Joel didn't want to get in trouble. He covered it up somehow. Happens all the time. Right. Certainly possible. All right, we're not calling him a killer, just so everybody knows. That's not what we're doing. But it does make a lot of sense, given the interaction of the two, that Joel would at least know what happened, even if he was not responsible. But there's somebody else we have to talk about here, the next person. Uh, I just have him turned termed as another possibility, somebody we need to talk about. His name is Adam. Why do we need to talk about him, Daisy? So Adam um, was also a suspect as far as the detective was concerned. Um, but I am not exactly sure how this all went down. I don't know the facts about it. Okay. Um, but from what I had heard and what people had said is that Adam was letting my mom see Violet. Um, they were meeting supposedly at a McDonald's right by where my mom was staying with Joel and letting her visit with Violet, even though she had a no contact order with her. Um, and supposedly my mom had been assisting him with a, a, some type of robbery or theft or breaking and entering something. And it went south and he had hurt somebody very badly and had an upcoming court date. Again, I haven't seen any documentation of this or anything legal about this. It's just what I've heard from people involved with my mom. All right. Um, You're going to have to probably, we're going to have to probably go into that a little bit more, but who we're not asking for any names, but when did you find this out? Is this somebody contacting you over Facebook? Is this somebody you spoke to in person? Cause that's very, uh, you know, we need to, really iron this out whether we can make this public or not so we really need a little more background on that if you can give it it was one of my mom's very close friends um who had told my nana this okay. and i don't want to say who just because that's fine it, that's fine we just need to know where this information comes from this isn't just yeah. something somebody is posting on facebook or wherever that's what i'm saying right so it was one, it was shortly after things kind of picked up about my mom being missing. Okay. Um, and everybody was trying to contact us, telling us what they think. And this was one that, you know, made sense to us. Okay. Um, but supposedly my mom was the only witness in this court date that Adam had upcoming and it was supposed to take place in November of 2011. And she goes also, in September of 2011. Right. So okay. we know at that time, my mom was also threatening to leave Joel and take Jasmine. And from what we have heard, um, it sounds like she was threatening to testify against Adam in that court date if he didn't give her custody of Violet. Wow. Um, so, and this is your, yeah. uh, next to youngest. So it goes Daisy, Lily, Violet, Jasmine. So this is Adam is the father of the next to youngest child. 
next thing. Right. Adam is the father of the third daughter. Okay. And is he the one, is he the one that came by just one day and took your sister, uh, your one sister away? That, that was some other guy that did that. Or was that Adam that did that? That was Adam. That was Adam that did that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So he just showed up one day, took uh, his biological daughter without any paperwork or anything else. But then somehow it gets all wrapped up. Now, have you ever gone back and checked? Was he due to be in court for something that he did in November? Has anybody ever gone back to check that out and say, yep, you know what? There was a court date in November of 2011. That's true or or not. I vaguely remember um, either my ex-boyfriend's mom, who was helping me with a lot of this stuff, um, or the detective. Somebody went in and... I vaguely remember it saying that it was like either dropped or dismissed or he like received minimal jail time. I, all I remember is that nothing really came of it. Um, but I'm not exactly sure on the facts with that. Okay. How well would you say, you know, of course you're a grown woman now, how well would you say that, you know, Adam? Um, very well. Not as he is currently, but I feel I would have a pretty good judge of character on him in general, just from okay. being around him. Does he sound like the type of person that would have done those things you just said there where your mother might have been a lookout for him? Does that sound like him? It it does to me, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I also have to ask you one thing once again. Uh, this is something that somebody told you that he was somewhere and in passing said oh yeah i shot sylvia in the head did that happen is that a story that was told to you uh yeah that is a story that was told um to my nana that somebody had said that that he had said that to somebody and they reached out to us to let us know okay all right uh any idea where he might have been and how well did adam and joel know each other um, I don't think that they really knew each other very well. I just think that they had been around each other frequently just for Adam, you know, letting my mom see Violet and um, through mutual friends. Would you say that Joe and Adam knew each other through your mother and not like independently? They knew your mother first and then were introduced to each other. Um, I would assume that they met through my mom. All right. Okay. Would you, would you say that they were friends or anything like that? I guess what I'm asking is, you know, we have to look at the possibility. It, of course, we know your, your mother went missing. Something happened. So is it something, is it a possibility that Adam and Joel would have known each other well enough to be partners in something causing your mother's disappearance? Does that sound possible to you? Um, I wouldn't say that they were friendly, but I would say that the enemy of your enemy is your friend. Okay. All right. Let's move on to this. Uh, There's another suspect, which this is the hardest one, I think, of all of these to understand, but we have to talk about it uh, because it's the police doing it. And it's your own father, your I guess your biological father. Uh, And in fact, you told me in a prior conversation that the police to this day consider him to be the best suspect. 
You're going to have to really explain all that, Daisy. So this is the the dad that is Lily's biological dad. Lily's, okay, Lily's biological dad. Okay. Yeah. But he Sorry. raised me as as his own 100%. Gotcha. Um, he, I believe, had one conversation with the detective, and the detective came in hot, and my dad wasn't a fan, and it just didn't go well from there. Um, okay. But from what I understand, when when we asked the detective, like, why is Ivan the primary suspect, all he could really say is just that he's he's the ex-husband. Um, and just, I, I just don't understand. I, I think it just goes back to their, like, their poor first interaction. And then the detective just kind of drew the line from there. But my dad is amazing and he had nothing to gain by being around my mom and had everything to lose. And I don't think he had seen her since 2009. Okay. Um, when was he questioned? Like in 2013, 2014, like 10 years ago, or was this more recently or when? Uh, like a long time ago, shortly after she was, um, reported missing. Okay. I'm not going to ask you to speak, uh, for your dad, uh, but, uh, does he have an opinion on, uh, Sylvia's your mother's disappearance. I'm not asking you to, to put it out there publicly, but you've talked about it. Does he have a particular opinion on what happened? Yes. Yeah. I, he is pretty confident that he knows who is responsible and um, just from his interactions with these people. Okay. All right. So the police, but once again, do you, am I right in saying, like I said before, Today, here in 2024, once again, we're doing this interview on February 17th of 2024, kind of in the police paperwork, Ivan is still the best suspect in their mind. Yeah. Yep. As far as I'm aware, like I said, I haven't really interacted with them too much in the last, I don't know, maybe seven years because it never really goes anywhere. But last I knew, my dad was prime suspect. Okay. Let me ask you some more questions because then we're going to get into some other women's names uh, that have popped up in our pre previous discussion uh, because they all kind of went missing all in the same area. I want to go back to this Garden of Joel's. To your knowledge, have the police ever gone into that backyard with a shovel, with a pick, with a backhoe or anything and dug up that yard just following up when, on a, whether it's a dead dog or saying that Sylvia's back there, did they ever follow up on any of that to your knowledge? Um, as far as what the detective has told me, he said that he did go and look in the backyard, but he did not say that he, you know, did any scanning or digging or picking or anything like that. And he actually um, said that he didn't see any evidence that a dog was even buried there. There's no evidence of anything being buried there uh -huh, so he's like using the force <laughs> to go back there and like something like kind of put his hands like toward the ground and say, do i sense anything uh, yeah. <laughs> because we have to remember i just want to put this timeline together uh again for everybody because we've talked a lot about a lot of different people and we have different people so it's different timelines and everything that 
she goes missing the last interaction you have with her that we can trust hearing her voice early september and then of course she doesn't show up to meet you in early october but then mm -hmm. six months later seven months later suddenly uh joel gets a green thumb and Bill puts this garden back there and then he's telling the neighbors oh yeah i put a dog back there and then he's out telling other people later oh yeah sylvia's back there and still to your knowledge they've never actually gone back there with any sort of equipment scientifically to check and see if any of this is true right the detective said that the only way they could justify doing it is if they heard it from joel's mouth directly that's going to be a little tough now. Yeah. Um, no, we talked, I just want to ask you this because I'm guessing that Joel or your mother did not own that house or the property where they renting or something on there. I believe that Joel's parents owned it Oh. and okay. they were just renting it to him or just letting him live there. I don't believe that Joel owned it. And I don't think he was renting, like paying rent. Okay. Um, I'm not exactly sure on that, but I believe it was his parents' house. Yeah, and we had talked about this, and I looked into this a little bit. Um, is there a new owner of that property now? And have you thought about, you know, finding out who the owner is, or maybe somebody lives in that house? Hey, I don't know if you know about this property, but my mother used to live here. She disappeared. Her, her boyfriend said some statements. I don't know whether to believe in them or not, but would like to look around in the backyard. Is that maybe on your agenda here for 2024? Is that even a possibility or, or what? Because you don't need the police's permission to do that. Right. Um, there are new owners um, and I have, um, I do have their names and their contact information. Um, I did try to call one of the phone numbers that I have for them and I left a voicemail and didn't get any response or anything. Um, okay. so I do plan on continuing to explore that. Um, I just, you never know who you're going to end up talking to. So a little anxious about it. <laughs> I know. I, I get it. You, you know, I know with me, sometimes I have to call people out of the blue that aren't, aren't going to be guests, but people who pop up in conversations and you never know how they're going to react. So I, I get that. Yeah. We also have to state it's not convenient for you because you live here in Florida and this all happened in Michigan. Yeah, definitely. So it's not like you can just drive over there and like knock on the door. Um, right. Do you, do you have any plans at any time to go back to Michigan? Uh, family still live there and you know, could, could you stop over there? Is, could you think about doing that? Do you think is that something you would consider, or or, or what? Yeah, yeah. So I I go to Michigan maybe like three or four times a year. All of my family still live there. Okay. Um, and whenever I do go there, I always drive by um, Joel's house. Um, okay. But the last two times that I've gone, I haven't been able to. Um, but typically, I do just to keep an eye out. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I hope that uh, you'll keep us posted on that. If you do <laughs> that, if you're planning to go up there, you know, we're going to, you know, of course you're going to wait till it gets a little warmer up there in Michigan. But when you right. do go up there, I'd be very, I think all of us uh, would be very interested to know if you go over there and talk to the landowners. Because once again, if Joel's going to say this, 
you know, way back 10 years ago, then somebody has to take them up on it more than just walking in the backyard. So, right. Okay. Let's move on to this. Um, some other women's names popped up when you and I spoke before. And in fact, one of those names is uh, the name of a woman who we've already featured on Unfound, I'm going to say three years ago, maybe four years ago now. That being Teresa Woolard. But there was also Presley Rao, or Ra, R-A-U, uh, Gina Collins, who was found deceased, Brianna Vibert, or Vibert, who is still missing. Uh, commonalities uh, between these women, you know, we talked about this, and in fact, there's a guy, his name is Ernest Wychick, or Wysick, or something like that. What can you say about all of that? Because all these women, and I can admit, that knowing knowing at least Teresa Woolard's disappearance, she and your mother did have some things in common as far as their lifestyles and everything. So what can you say about all of that? That is there a possibility somehow they could be connected? Um. Yeah, so with my mom's lifestyle and the people she was hanging around, um, from what I've been told, um, she was interacting with a lot of men and we had um someone message into the facebook page um for their own safety i don't want to say who it is but yeah, don't, yeah, don't um, she was interacting with a lot of men and this person messaged in saying that um my mom may have been connected to this man um and he was connected with many other girls uh, that had gone missing in the same area. And the dates that they were reported missing were also aligning with um, points of tension in his life, whether that be like divorce, losing custody of his children, um, being evicted, things like that. Um, and one of the girls was, was very close with him. I think that was the girl that her last name was Rao. Okay. Um, Danielle? No, not Yes. No, no Presley. Yeah. I'm sorry. Presley Rawl? Yes. Um, but as far as I'm aware, he hasn't really come up in any of the other girls' mm -hmm. you know, investigations. Um, mm -hmm. But the, the only evidence that I have that my mom was connected to this man was from the person who messaged in saying that they were. Right. This person who contacted you, did this person say why he or she would know so much about Ernest, like I said, Wycik, uh, or Wysik, W-O-Y-C-I-K is how you spell his name for anybody uh, out there. Um, why did this person give any reason why he or she would know Ernest and know these things? Or is this just somebody, did this person give any proof that why well, really know Ernest this well and this is what was going on in his life? That's what I'm saying, asking. Um, I wouldn't want to disclose the relationship they had with okay. him, but they did, they knew him very well. Okay. And if anybody's, uh, interested to know a little bit about Ernest, uh, I just found one article on, I'll read it. The headline 46 year old accused of sexually assaulting young children for nine years. This was an article from June 16th of 2022. So obviously he's a bad guy. Um, and when did you get this uh, person who messaged you? When did that message come in? Um, these would all have been between 
2014 and 2017. Wow. Those messages. So these messages that came to you came way back then. Yes. Yeah. And so his name's out there. And then suddenly here, like I said, I just read this from 2022. So it does turn out that this person was talking about somebody who did end up being proven to be bad. Yeah. Okay. Um, any belief that this person might have known your, does this person ever said, I knew your mother too? Knew Ernest, but did this person ever say, you know what? I knew your mother. I ran across your mother, anything like that. Um, she did not say if she knew my mom. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what this person is saying is there might be a commonality of this Ernest guy between many of these women that I just named. Right. All right. Okay. And we should note the reason this might be important is because Sylvia, although we haven't talked about it at this point, she might have been mm -hmm. doing sex work or something like that and meeting men. Yes. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now you should know, uh, just for the, to talk to the listeners for a little bit, uh, Ernest's name, I went back and checked the notes. Uh, I checked the outline of the episode as well. Uh, although I did not listen to the entire interview from when I, um, uh, did the interview for that episode. Ernest's name did not come up. There was a guy uh, who came up in the episode, allegedly, who Teresa walked off with. I don't know if that happened or not, but it was not somebody named Ernest. But she couldn't do it. She might have known him, just did not come up in, in anything for that episode. You should also know with Gina Collins, and that's J-I-N-A, not G-I-N-A. Gina Collins was found deceased in an abandoned building um and i don't think we'll ever know whether she was murdered or not but she was missing for quite a while and the reason she was found is that she had a reputation she was also you know a street walker and was into drugs but the reason she got found is that this building had been abandoned and I think they were going to go knock it down. So these engineers who whatever went in there to make sure that everything was safe. There wasn't any poisons or anything that was going to damage the environment. And they found her remains in there. So, but the big deal though is Gina Collins. And I forget, I think it might've been Presley Raw or Rao. They went missing very close to each other within a couple blocks of each other. And this is all in the... Teresa, Presley, Gina, Brianna, and Sylvia, kind of all in the same general area. There's all these little communities, all very similar yeah. types of women going missing. Although a lot of these happened more like 2017, 2016, 2017. Of course, Sylvia went missing like at least five, you know, six years before that. So it's something to consider. Right. If anybody wants to look into any of these, but at least with Gina, it just doesn't seem to me like it was foul play. These other women still missing, so it's hard to say. It's right. hard to say. But uh, talking about Ernest just a little more, Daisy, when his name came up, does that name, if you talk to people who knew your mother, did she know anybody by the name Ernest or Ernie or maybe somebody who fit his description or something like that, anything like that? I, um, I would have no way of really knowing. Um, I really am only familiar with the friends that she's had for a long time. Yeah. Um, so I had never heard of him before, um, before the message came in, but we, we just have no way of knowing who she was dealing with really. 
Okay. This person, of course, you're saying this is like 10 years ago. You just said 2014 to 2017, these messages came in. Are you saying then since 2017, you have no interaction with this person? Have you tried to reach out to this person to kind of follow up anything like that? Right. Because if I, if I try to reach out to them and to me, I'm like, I'm endangering my family if they are the person. And I don't know. I just, I don't really. I guess really what I, I'll, I'll ask you a different question then, Daisy. Since yeah. 2017, you said these messages that you got from this person between 2014 and 2017. All right. Right. Correct. I I believe so. I can, I can oh, double check. I just, well, all I'm saying is, has this person ever gotten back in contact with you and saying, how's the investigation going? Have you followed up on anything? Or has this been like no communication with this person in like seven years? That's what I'm asking. Um, as far as uh, following up that I haven't had any new contact with this person now. Okay. The person that messaged in, you mean? Right. Right. So yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. I'm asking you the person who messaged in, we're not getting into the person's name, but we're saying this is like sending messages and then you haven't heard from this person since. Right. Okay. All right. Um, have you ever been able, of course we know like on Facebook or wherever else, however you got these messages, people can change their names and everything else. Have you had an opportunity to kind of check this person's background to make sure they're just not some troll or something? Did you do that? Do you think that this person is uh, legitimately who he or she says they are? Um, I trust that they kind of, that they're familiar with Ernest, uh, just based off of the relationship they've described. Um, mm -hmm. So in my opinion, I, I would trust that they kind of know what they're talking about. Um, okay. I didn't get any direct evidence of how my mom would have known this guy. Um, but I think that they're credible at least. Okay. And we have to yeah. give this person credit. It may very well be that Ernest had nothing to do with Sylvia's disappearance, but obviously right. even way back 10 years ago, this person is telling you about Ernest and it turns out in the end that Ernest was a bad guy. So, right. you know, we, maybe he's not responsible for Sylvia's disappearance, but obviously this person had some sort of inside line on him, knowing him well enough to know this guy's a bad guy. Uh, although in that particular messages, I don't think it says anything about molesting children. I'm guessing. Yeah, no, they didn't say anything about anything like that. Okay. So it's, I guess what we're, I'm, I'm making sure the listeners understand is this is not a situation where Ernest's name appears out in the news and then somebody tells you, oh, I think Ernest did something. In fact, it was the opposite. He contacted you or she contacted you about this. And then years later is when Ernest's name became public. Right. Okay. Very good. Um, when, of course, you were 12 when this happened. When did you um really start working on this was this something that you knew even when you were 14 or 15 that you know you really were going to find out what happened to your mother was this something you really had to think about you know a little more seriously once you became an adult and how did your grandmother feel about all this maybe you can talk about that now daisy yeah um my my grandma she she does what she can um but she has had a very, very difficult life. And I think it's very 
overwhelming for her to kind of deal with these things. Um, so we didn't have like the Facebook page at first. We didn't really have anything. We just, you know, had flyers put out locally and, you know, shared the image of the flyer on Facebook. Um, but it was actually my boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend's mom, who I was very close with. Um, she is the one who kind of started pressing the detective and setting up the Facebook page. And, um, she even kept doing it after my ex-boyfriend and I had separated. Um, and she recently turned over, um, you know, like operation of the, Mm -hmm. the Facebook page to me. Um, I think maybe three or four years ago, um, I was involved in everything. You know, every time she got a message, I would know about it. She'd send me screenshots and everything. Um, but yeah, now that I'm, now that I'm an adult, she kind of just turned it for me. (laughs) All right. So, wow. That's a heck of a boyfriend's, uh, mother there. Yes. To really help you out in all of these ways. Wow. Yeah. She was very, she's very wonderful. Very helpful. Very thankful What you would say is then once she turned everything over to you, like three years ago, it's once you really maybe felt like, you know what? I think I'm finally fully in charge of this. I think I think yeah. I, I think I'm now the leading. It's not my grandmother anymore, or it's some other adult. It's like you know what? I'm the adult now, so I'm the leader. Yeah, but I mean, to be honest, I I have kind of always felt like that. So, like just okay. with my sisters and my grandma, I just kind of always put the leadership role on myself, and it just feels mm-hmm. fitting sure. that I would be doing this. Right. And we have to remember, of course, you're still very young. You're, in fact, you're less <laughs> than half my age. No, it doesn't make me feel old at all. But you do still have two sisters who are, I guess, what we would say underage. You have a, a sister who's 17, 16, 17. You have another one that's like 13. So, yes. you know, they're only, only going to be able to do so much as adults, you know, as children and everything anyway. So, yeah, uh, you know, you being the oldest, uh, that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And how, um, of course you've lived with this now, you know, this is like half your life. Now you're 12, uh, you were 12 at the time. You're 24, going to be 25 now. So this is half of your life that this has been a part of it. So maybe you knew back then, if my mother isn't found, it's going to be my responsibility. Did that go through your head as a, like a 14 year old, a 15 year old, you know, I, this doesn't get solved. I'm going to have to do something about this one day. Were you think about? Were you thinking about that back then? Yeah, definitely. Um, even from the very beginning, even though I was only you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen when it was happening, I knew that if we just left it up to the detectives, that nothing would ever be done. Yeah. And so we really started, you know, going out and questioning people on our own, and. Most of this information that I've, you know, spoken about today is from that, from us going out and asking, because um, people, you know, around that area, they either, you know, they don't want to talk to the police or they just, you know, they just want nothing to do with it. Even if they didn't know anything, they don't want to say they don't know anything. They just don't want to talk. So um, this is mostly just from our own investigating, and then we take it to the detective and detectives say well i didn't hear that person say that so you know it's just tough it circles is tough. Yeah, well 
Uh, the, the issue probably is that uh, the circle maybe that your mother ran in, these are people who don't, you know, they get a little nervous when the police come around. Yeah. You know, that's that's factor. Of course, many of them can tell the truth and, and everything, but uh, when they see men and women in uniform, they get a little nervous because maybe yeah. their interactions, it's uh, not, po it's not been positive. Uh, all the right. other times that's, it's a possibility. I, I meant to ask you this regarding uh, Joel and your mother going missing. Did he ever return her possessions? You know, she must have had clothes and other things over at this building. Did he ever return any of it? Did you get anything back a purse? Uh, you know, anything. The only items of my mom's that I have um, were her ashes for her father, my, my Nana's first husband, and a mirror that she left in my Nana's basement when she left, when, you know, all this first started happening. Um, but Joel had nothing. There was zero evidence that my mom had ever been in his house, that a woman had ever been in his house. Um just all of her stuff was gone and no explanation for any all the like you said you had several interactions with him after she went missing he never said well i gave it to goodwill i burned all of it i gave it to another woman nothing no explanation no when when we asked about it um you know being yeah. our mom we want her things sure, um sure. absolutely he just said that she took it all and if his story of her running in and frantically throwing things in a bag is true, then there's no way that she could possibly take every single one of her belongings. Because one thing about my mom is that she loved clothes, shoes, and jewelry. So I know she had ah. a lot of it. And they were all gone. So, All right. right. I assume he sold it, but I have no way of really knowing. It was just right. Gone. Right. So it's a little hard to understand if he says that once again stories you know uh you know if she really did leave quickly then how did she pack up everything and not leave anything behind that and that's right. pretty very efficient of her which seems maybe <laughs> okay yeah. uh you mentioned it a couple times regarding uh maybe website or facebook page or anything else TikTok, instagram anything like that why don't you mention that right now daisy um like if we have any pages for yeah if you have any pages page. yeah what are they so people can go visit them yes please um it is just the facebook page at this time um it's called help find sylvia june galvin um and i am now the person running the page so if you right. have want to message in with any questions or anything um i'm the one that you'll be speaking with Great. I love it when family just uh, are controlling their own destinies with Facebook pages. We did have some people who have kind of let other people handle it. And then, yeah, I get a little leery about these people being gatekeepers or something. But I really love hearing it when the guest or somebody in the actual family uh, is, is running it themselves. So I think that's the best setup. Very good, Daisy. Okay. Say it one more time. Why don't you say it one more time for everybody, please? It's uh, the Facebook page is help find Sylvia June Galvin. Um, and if usually if you just search Sylvia Galvin or Sylvia Caldwell, Sylvia Galvin Caldwell, it'll come up. Okay, very good. Yeah. Daisy, any final words before we complete this interview? Um, just that 
I I want to make it clear that I don't have any ill feelings towards anybody that we've talked about today. I understand that people get put in bad situations and when drugs get involved and, you know, children, custody of children gets involved, things get scary and people make mistakes. So I understand and just that, I don't know, I hope, I hope everything works out. I love my sisters. I love my dad, love my grandma and Mm. I love my mom. So that's about everything. (laughs) Okay. Daisy, thank you for uh, appearing on this episode of Unfound. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, everybody who who listens. You're welcome. And that was my February 17th, 2024 interview with Daisy Galvin Caldwell, oldest daughter of Sylvia Galvin. I thank her for joining me and all of you on this episode. I recommend all of you go to Unfound's website, theunfoundpodcast.com, and go to Sylvia's page, where I've assembled some satellite pictures of the yard in question going back to the time of the disappearance. What do you think? It should be no surprise that I've combined the backyard, the garden, and what Joel said as the topics of this summation. All of you have been around long enough to know that suspects rarely put things on a silver platter for investigators. Men like Joel rarely give anything concrete to investigate, and even Joel did that himself. He told a story much like others we've heard on Unfound. Sylvia took off with someone and didn't come back. And like all those other guys... Joel, despite living with Sylvia, despite them having a child together, Joel did nothing. Yep, we've heard that story like 50 times or something over the past seven and a half years. However, Joel didn't stop there. As you heard, he started talking about the backyard and about that garden that he started in 2012 or maybe even before that. This is the kind of thing that no investigator should ever ignore, ever. Rarely do you have this kind of thing happen in a disappearance. Yes, we know. On Unfound, we've heard a lot about how guys in prison who say they know where bodies are and those stories never end up being true. Yet, those are all felons who didn't even know the missing person who say they got their stories from a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy. And if this were the situation with Joel not knowing Sylvia, then I wouldn't take anything he said to say seriously. But Joel is talking about his own backyard. And the timing of the garden seems curious. And Joel didn't have a dog. But he did have a girlfriend who went missing. This certainly sounds, how do they say, actionable to me. I'm sure there is a backhoe operator in Michigan who would happily donate some free time to digging up that yard. Because it's obvious. What should have been done back in 2012 or 2013 was not done. To remind you, I made the comment that it sounded to me like an investigator just used the force 
to determine if Sylvia could be buried back there or not. What I'm saying is, local police in Mount Morris suddenly in 2024 should become gardeners. If you'd like to hear and read more of my in-depth analysis into the disappearance of Sylvia Galvin, please go to patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, sign up, and partake in the Unfound blog. Until then, I leave the public theorizing up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've just finished this episode of Unfound.